not Exodus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, can you believe it? Don't worry, we're going to get back to Exodus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're going to be together here this morning uh, in just a minute. And uh, Easter is a fun Sunday, probably what we should call it, but our habit is just to call it Easter, and I'm good with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in just a minute we're going to read starting in verse 12. There are, there are a lot of things that I can't imagine living without. There are a lot of things that I really love having and that I don't even want to imagine life without. Can you, can you imagine life without pizza? No, no. Or, or air conditioning. Some of you have lived without air conditioning. Some of you may still live without air conditioning. I remember um, when I, I, was, I went to school uh, at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina, and during the summers, it would be 85 or 90 degrees, but it would be like 200% humidity. Some of you have been in places like this before, and, and they lived there. Human beings lived there. Wow, this is really, shoemakers are completely hidden behind the cross, which theologically is a good thing, right? But, you know, to preach to you this morning is a little bit a little bit tough. Um, I, people, I can't imagine living without climate control. I can't imagine living without dark chocolate. I can't imagine living without it. Unfortunately, I can't imagine living without a cell phone now, which I'm not sure that that's a good thing. But have you ever left your cell phone somewhere? And, and you're like, what? I don't know what to do next other than get my cell phone back. Like that's the number one first thing I have to do. And then I'll get it and breathe some oxygen and, and maybe do some other things. But like the, I have to get my, uh, you know, a good pocket knife. Can't imagine living without that sort of thing, right? There are some things that I can't imagine living without, but there are a very, very, very small handful of things that you can't live without. You, you can't live without oxygen. You can't live without water, you can't live without food, and you can't live without Easter Sunday. You can't live without Easter Sunday. That's my main point this morning. The title of my sermon this morning is this, and I'm actually going to change it from even what I have up here on the screen, which is exactly what I asked the guys to put up on the screen. If it wasn't for Easter, Christianity, uh, I, and I want to change it to this, if it wasn't for Easter, Christians would be pitiful. You might think, well, that's kind of, that's kind of brash, it's kind of harsh. It's actually exactly what the Apostle Paul says in the passage that we're going to look at together here this morning. You've got your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let me read to you from uh, verse 12 down through about verse 20. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be mis misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ 
we have hope in this life only, we, Christians, and I hope your eyes are right there on verse 19, we are of all people most to be what? Pitied. If it wasn't for Easter, Christians would be pitiful. Of all people to be pitied. Let's stop there in our reading for now. Father, help us as we look into your word together this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can't live without Easter. And, and I don't mean eggs and rabbits and pastel colors and new dresses. Those are all fun. I do mean that you can't live without the literal, historical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the real God-man, without his resurrection from the dead. And that's what we celebrate today, right? Unlike maybe Christmas, we can be certain that Christ's resurrection was during this springtime of the year. We, we know that when Jesus was crucified and then was raised, it was right around the Passover time. And, and we've been able historically to know that, that the, the nation of Israel right now, uh, just uh, in the last couple of days, has celebrated Passover. And so we know that this is the time of year that Jesus did rise from the dead. You might live a few years here on earth, 60, 70, 80, 90, but you won't live forever without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is going to do here as he's preaching to the Corinthians, as he's writing this letter that we just read a portion of, as he's writing this letter to Corinthian believers and he's explaining to them why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important. And this morning, I have a sermon that is a 12-point sermon. I'm not kidding. So we'll be done eventually. I'm kidding. We are going to move quickly through these, though. My main point, and all 12 points, are, are written right out of this passage to help make it abundantly clear to us that you can't live without Easter Sunday. Point number one, if it wasn't for Easter Sunday, verse 14 says this, that preaching, what I'm doing right now, preaching would be pointless. There would be no point to preaching. Why would someone get up and tell you what this ancient Jewish God-man who died and was buried and just died, why would we bother learning what that guy had to say? There's no point in listening to preaching if the resurrection isn't true. In fact, there would be nothing to preach. Now, you understand that on Resurrection Sunday, in a special way, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those of you who were here, many of you were here on Friday night to celebrate our Good Friday service. And you'll remember that on Friday night, this cross was bare and had a red light shining on it. And it was very stark and, and was a really somber um, kind of celebration together. And, uh, and then this morning we show up and it's light and it's beautiful in here and it's beautiful outside. God has given us a spectacular day outside. And we have this, be this beautiful uh, um, uh, uh, flower arrangement uh, on the cross here ch showing us that Jesus didn't stay on the cross but, but that he is alive. We have something worth preaching this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is actually what the church celebrates every single Sunday. 
Every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ is encouraging to us because we can know that what Jesus did, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he uh, later in this passage, verse uh, uh, 20, describes uh, Jesus' resurrection as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If you grow a field of corn, if you have an apple orchard, if you are growing any kind of vegetable, there's, there's one of them that in time is literally going to be the very first one to bear fruit. I, I doubt in your, you know, half on one of your half milers where you're growing corn that you're going to know which one was the first to grow, right, an ear of corn. That's impossible for you to know. But Jesus Christ, as he is resurrected from the dead, is the first fruit. What, what, that, wait, there's more to come? Yes, brothers and sisters, this is why those of us who know Christ as our Savior don't fear death, because death is not final. Jesus Christ is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. And if this isn't absolutely historical reality, then you're wasting time this morning. Or you're merely engaged in a tradition that has the same weight of importance as the Easter egg hunt that's going to happen here in 45 minutes or so. What, what, if, if Jesus Christ really hadn't been raised from the dead, sorry, am I, am I, am I disappointing people about the, uh, the Easter egg hunt? Um, then, then what we're doing here really is just kind of like a, a, you know, kind of an annual tradition that we do. But Jesus Christ did raise from the dead. Preaching would be pointless. If there's no resurrection, then throw your Bibles away. Number two, if there's no resurrection, then faith would be empty. Faith would be in vain. Verse 14. And if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. That was point number one. And number two, your faith is in vain. You're believing in nothing. No, no wonder you're to be pitied. This would mean you're believing in a dead man. See, what makes our faith significant is not that you have faith, but it's the person in whom you have faith. It must be true in order for our faith to be meaningful. The object of our faith must be true. If I had faith that the world was flat, my faith could be really zealous and, and I could be really certain, but I would be wrong. To have faith that Jesus was my Savior, but that Jesus hadn't risen from the dead and defeated death would be on the same level as me drowning in a lake and expecting a dead man to save me. Your faith would be in vain. Number three, if the resurrection wasn't true, then preachers would be liars. Now, unfortunately, some preachers are liars, and the resurrection is still True, But verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we're testified, we have testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. If, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then I'm standing in front of you and deceiving you right now. Now, it, does, it takes discernment to know whether a preacher is telling you the truth or not, right? We often listen to the radio or listen to a TV preacher, and we think, is he, is he really telling us the, the truth right now? What we say has to be true or we're lying. And 
all the witnesses and the preachers of the resurrection throughout history would be liars if Jesus hadn't actually been raised from the dead. Those during the time period after Christ's crucifixion who said they saw him after he was risen would be liars, and all of those who today are preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be liars. Number four, if the resurrection hadn't happened, then sinners would be hopeless. Look at verse 17. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. We've sung a lot this morning about being delivered from our sins, and on Friday we talked a lot about the significance of our sins and what it took for God to rescue us from our sins. But if, if Jesus had just died on the cross and then been buried and then just been a dead man, you would still be in your sins. You don't get delivered from your sins because you want really badly to be delivered from your sins. That's not what delivers you from your sins. You're delivered from your sins because there is someone who is alive to deliver you from your sins. Someone must be the deliverer. Someone must deliver you from sin. And if Jesus died but didn't raise, then he was defeated by the same thing that will defeat you. Sin and death. And the Corinthians' salvation would be only a state of mind with no correspondence to reality. Their faith would be futile. Right? You can believe in Satan. Ah, uh, Satan. What an unfortunate faux pas. You can believe in Santa. Sorry, Santa Claus. I really didn't mean to say Santa, not Satan. You can believe, you can believe in Santa. Oh, man, see, there's kids in here. They're going to get in trouble. If you need to plug your kid's ears for a second. But he's not going to bring you presents. He's not going to because he's not real. You can believe in Jesus Christ and he will rescue you because he is alive. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a warm, fuzzy thing that makes us feel happy on Easter Sunday. This truth that I'm preaching to us this morning is the hope of our lives. This is So many of us, many of you, over this last week, have had heartache and trouble and struggle. And you look around the room here this morning, and you might think, I'm probably the only one in here, because everybody else seems like they've got their act together. And I'm just telling you, once again, look around the room, they don't have their act together. They may look like they have their act together. They don't have their act together. I don't have my act together. You don't have your act together. On the count of three, we should just all say, I don't have, well, I'm not going to have you do that, right? But look, here, the reality is you don't. But there is, there is hope in the fact that Jesus Christ, having been raised from the dead, and as the first fruits of those who will be raised from the dead, listen, we're all on our way to the grave. Unless the Lord comes back today, which I hope he will, maybe after lunch. I'd like to get through lunch. Um, but maybe after, after, I'm looking forward to lunch. Um, after, maybe after lunch, the Lord could come back after my nap. Okay, lunch and then nap, and then, and then the Lord could come. Okay, if he came back before those things, I don't think I'm going to fuss too much. Brothers and sisters, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what carries us through the hardships of our lives. Number five, saints would be dead. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then those who had faith in him and have died before us would just simply and merely be dead. Some of you have lost loved ones over the last year or over the last few years. 
those who you know, I mean, I'm looking at the, in the eyes of people who I know in the last year have lost very dear loved ones. And if Jesus Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, you know what happened to those loved ones who died having faith in him? They just died. But, well, I'm not going to get to the but yet. I'll get to that in a minute. How despairing would it be? Verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Paul's saying, look, if, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then those who have perished, I mean, they're just, that's it, they've perished. Number six, if the resurrection isn't true, then Christians are pitiful. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now let's think about this for a second. Christians would be the most pitiful people on earth. Do you ever have you ever met with someone before who was crazy and maybe they thought that they were someone that they actually aren't or they thought things that they thought were true that like everybody else knows no the world is not flat or whatever whatever the 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 crazy thing that someone was believing and you didn't think oh wow how wonderful and honorable it is that they hold to that absolute crazy tr-. you, you you feel pity for them. The word pity means deserving, or pitiful, means deserving or arousing pity. And Paul says, look, if the resurrection isn't true, again, let your eyes look at the end of verse 19. We are, of all people, of all people on the planet, of all people on the earth, if the resurrection isn't true, do you know who are the most pitiful people on the planet? The most pitiful people on planet earth, if the resurrection isn't true, are Christians. Because the sacrifices made in this life and the hope placed in Christ in this life and the light of the hope that is to come is all meaningless and nothing. If there's no life to come, it would be better, look in verse 32 of this chapter. If this stuff isn't true, what should we do? If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, should we gather for preaching? Should we try to live moral lives? Should we be good, upstanding citizens? What does Paul tell the Corinthians? If this stuff isn't true, here's what you should do. Look in verse 32. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, what should you do? What should you do if the dead are not raised? What does it say? Somebody tell me. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Get as much as you can get for you right here, right now. To do anything otherwise, if the resurrection isn't true, you're to be pitied. We live our lives with constant hope and trust in a living Savior. We pray to Him. We trust Him for our daily physical needs, our ultimate eternal spiritual life. And people who say things like, you Christians miss out because you don't such and such or because you do such and such, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't true, they are exactly right. They're right. If the resurrection isn't true, they're right. Paul says so, not me. It's not worth believing just because it makes for a good life. I don't want to believe a lie just because it makes me moral. One commentator in his commentary on 1 Corinthians writes this, If this world is all there is, 
the Christian, the believer, is a martyr to an illusion. Think about that phrase, a martyr to an illusion. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true, then you, Christian, will give your life. You will give your life, in a sense, as a martyr to, to an illusion. He goes on to say this, John Herring, in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. If the world is all there is, the believer is a martyr to an illusion. And then he concludes this statement with this phrase, with this sentence. Anybody is better off than he. If the resurrection is not true, the believer is a martyr to an illusion, and anybody is better off than he. All right, I'm halfway through. That's six points. Look in verse 20. But in fact, but in fact, as a fact, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I love that phrase, but in fact, you can take this to the bank. It is an absolute fact. In a world that doesn't believe in truth, in a world that believes in relative, uh, you know, that everything is relative, no, the Bible says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. J.I. Packer says this, what is the significance of Jesus rising in a word, it marked Jesus out as the Son of God. It vindicated his righteousness. It demonstrated his victory over death. It guaranteed the believer's forgiveness and justification and his own future resurrection too. And it brings him into the reality of resurrection life now. Marvelous. You could speak of Jesus' rising as the most hopeful, hope full, full of hope, the most hopeful thing that has ever happened, and you would be right. Packer says you could speak of the rising of Jesus as the most hopeful thing that has ever happened, and you would be right. So, all six of those things that would be true if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead. Well, Christ has been raised from the dead, so you know what that means? All six of those things are true. So, my second six points, the the the, the Next half are points one through six all over again. So point number whatever this would be seven or point number one uh, and a positive, right? So if you have if you're taking notes, maybe those first six are negative. These these next six are positive because verse twenty makes it clear that Christ has been raised from the dead. So number one, preaching isn't pointless. Preaching is powerful. Have you ever been listening? to preaching, and you felt like the Spirit of God put his finger on your heart, and you realized, that's true, I have to believe it. And you're like, that's, but that's just Jeremy. Like, I know him during the week. Like, and you're right, because there's nothing important or special or magical about me. But man, when, when this word is opened and the living, resurrected Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is communicated to us, as the people of God, there is real life-giving power that comes through the preaching of the Word of God. It is powerful. We have the greatest message on earth, and we should be eager to share it with others. The gospel, the news of Christ's life, death, and resurrection is our message and our motivation. We don't evangelize and tell other people about Jesus primarily because we love other people. That's a good motive. It's not the, it's not the primary motive. 
we evangelize primarily because we love Christ and we know that he is resurrected and we serve a risen Savior. Do you preach, brother and sister? Do you preach? Your preaching isn't pointless. If you share with anyone in any way, shape, or form the truth about Jesus Christ, you are, you are preaching the gospel to them. Number two, faith isn't futile. It's useful. It's probably a better word than useful. We don't believe in a fairy tale. Our faith, which faith itself is a gift from God to you, our, our faith is the only thing in the world, uh, uh, excuse me, Christ and your faith in him and the resurrected Christ is the only thing in the world worth trusting in. Christ is resurrected. That is true. So do you, do you have faith? Remember, it's not the amount of faith that you have. It's the object of your faith that saves you. Because I'll be honest with you, some days my faith is, is really small. Even sometimes, as a pastor, I go, is all this real? And you think, oh my goodness, you, you think that? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes my faith is really small. But you know what's beautiful about that? It's not the strength of my faith that has ever saved me. It is the person in whom my faith resides that saves me. Jesus saves me. My faith does not save me. Christ saves me, and my faith is in him as a Savior. Have you come to a point where you knew your sin meant punishment in hell, and that only by repenting of your sin and putting faith and the risen Christ, that you could have a restored relationship with him. That the greatest privilege of that relationship is being with him for eternity. Faith isn't futile, it's useful. Number three, preachers aren't liars, they are prophets. In the passage here in, in Corinthians, Paul is talking about himself and others who had seen the risen Christ in, in, in physically or in a, in, a, in a vision form. These men were eyewitnesses and they were preachers and heralds of the good news. So we read what they say and we believe. And brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, as a man opens the word of God and preaches to you the truth of God's word, believe what they say. A preacher comes to you in the name of the Lord. You want a pastor who opens the Bible every week and says, let's see what God's word has to say. His message needs to come to you with a, thus saith the Lord, prior to what he says next. Thus saith the Lord needs to be the theme. It needs to be the, uh, the, the parentheses around which everything else a pastor says. Thus saith the Lord. And the, the Lord says no one comes to the Father except by Christ. Salvation is found in no other place than Christ Jesus. Number four, since the resurrection is true, sinners are not hopeless. And those who put faith in Christ are redeemed. For those sinners who have turned from their sins and put faith in Jesus Christ. Have you repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ alone to save you? Now, I know there's no sinners in this room. Those sinners are the ones who aren't here this morning or they're in other churches here in town. No, that's obviously not true. There, there's none of us in here who aren't sinners. And, and 
there aren't big sinners and little sinners. There's just sinners. So you're lying and you're cheating and you're cursing and you're disobeying and disrespecting and blaspheming and covetousness and your worry and your lust and your fear and your pride. All of that sinfulness is taken and paid for by Christ on the cross. Everyone is born a sinner and everyone is born under the condemnation of God. But when you turn from your sin and put faith in Christ as your Savior, you will be saved. He will save you. Number five, since the resurrection is true, saints aren't dead. They're alive. And I, I use the word saints. Often we, uh, unfortunately, we use the word saints in a very limited sense, which uh, a saint is, if, you, if you're here this morning and your faith is in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you are a saint, by the way. A saint is not just something that maybe an, a, an elite few of really, really good people long after they've died is bestowed upon them. That the, the Bible describes saints as those who are following Jesus Christ, those who are his followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a saint this morning. You still struggle with sin, but you're a saint. And those saints who have gone before us and have died, they are alive. Death doesn't kill a saint. Now, their physical bodies die. You've buried them. But their spiritual being, the real them, lives on and will live for eternity. And this is what gives us confidence, brothers and sisters, that there is a life beyond this life, that there is hope beyond the here and now. This here and now is troublesome and weary, and uncertain, and, you know, we're, we're going to, there's going to be a hard stop at the end, right, where someone's going to put dirt on your casket. But since the resurrection of Christ is true, it doesn't mean that that's where you end. Number six, since the resurrection of Jesus is true, Christians are not pitiful. They're blessed. Look again in verse 19. If we have, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But did you know that the converse of that is true? If Christ has been raised from the dead, then, then we're not of all people most to be pitied. In fact, of all people, we're the ones who are the most blessed. Christians are the most blessed and least to be pitied people on the earth. I remember years ago when I was in grad school and I was studying systematic theology and I was reading in this big, huge, thick book, which I still have on my shelf today. And uh, I wish I could tell you that every moment in grad school studying systematic theology was just this incredible, wonderful spiritual high where I kind of floated along with Jesus through my classes and through my classrooms and that it was just this unbelievable devotional moment all the time. But a, a lot of it was cramming and reading and writing papers and this sort of thing. But I do, I do remember vividly reading in my systematic theology book this phrase, this, this, these sentences. Dr. Millard J. Erickson in his book on systematic theology wrote, the resurrection is particularly significant. For inflicting death was the worst thing 
that sin and the powers of sin could do to Christ. Right? So, so the worst thing, so Satan thinks he wins, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to kill him. Death's inability to hold him symbolizes the totality of his victory. And then this sentence just brought such joy to my heart. What more can the forces of evil do if someone whom they have killed doesn't stay dead? I mean, what do you do? What do you do in that moment, right? I'm, there are video games that are like this. There are movies that are like this, right, where, like, you kill the, the enemy thing, and it, like, respawns, and it's back and alive again. And you kill it again, and it comes back to life again. And you kill it again, and it comes back to life. And, and, and I mean, what do, you do? what do you do with an enemy that can't be killed? And imagine Satan and the powers of the evil one and the powers of sin, and they watch Jesus Christ go to the cross, and they watch him give up the ghost, and he lays down his life, and he says it is finished, and he's put in the tomb, and he's put, and the stone is rolled over the tomb. And maybe in some respect, they kind of kick back for a minute and go, man. We won. We did it. And then three days later, earthquake, right? Maybe some of you read this morning in the Gospels the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and those ladies, Mary, Mary, and Salome, go early that morning just as the sun was rising. We were talking about this. Seth and I were talking about this earlier. A lot of us have been to sunrise services throughout, the, throughout our life, right? That's a, and just as the sun was rising, these ladies go to the tomb and there's this earthquake and angelic beings are sitting on top of rocks and they're sitting inside of places and there's, there's uh, grave clothes and I mean, each of the different gospel um, authors record some different details about it, but they go in and Jesus isn't there. The guy they killed came back to life again. And in that moment, you can imagine Satan and his powers thinking, oh no, what are we going to do? What more can the forces of evil do if someone whom they have killed doesn't stay dead? Jesus didn't stay dead. He did die, but he didn't stay dead. He was raised by the power of God Ephesians 1 makes it clear. We'll read that to us uh, this morning to start our service. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive, and it, it's not always going to be easy. This week hasn't been easy for some of you. This last month, this last year, these last few years, changes in your life, relationships that have gone uh, that have become strained, health issues that you didn't anticipate, you've lost loved ones that you didn't anticipate, losing financially things aren't where you hoped they would be, relationally things with your children are not where you wish they were, life hasn't dealt you what you anticipated life dealing you, you're experiencing midlife weird crisis stuff that you don't know exactly how to grapple with. Life is hard. Look in verse 58 of this passage 1 Corinthians chapter 15, down at the end of the chapter where Paul is talking about the resurrection. And then in verse 58, he says this, therefore. And that therefore, right, you know, you know this trick, right? When you read the word therefore, you have to ask yourself a question. Yeah, Nisa, that's exactly right. What's the therefore, therefore? What's it therefore? 
right? Therefore is referring back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Since Jesus has been raised from the dead and you do have hope in eternal life, therefore, and Paul's writing to brothers. He's, he's not writing to unbelievers right now. He's writing, he says, therefore, my beloved brothers. And listen, I wish I could love you like Paul loved you. I wish I could love you like Jesus loved you, but I promise you, I do love you. So listen, Brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers and sisters here gathered this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, because all of the truth that we've already looked at this morning is true, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Because these things are true, Brothers and sisters, live confidently, live boldly, not in your strength, not in the the amount of your faith. This is a powerful gospel. Our Christ is alive and is reigning, and there is a future kingdom coming where he will rule this earth, this planet, new heavens and new earth, with no rebellion from his creation. You're on the right team. Keep following him. Remain steadfast, immovable. Continue abounding in the work of the Lord. We have every reason to be completely bold and enthusiastic in our living because Jesus Christ, your Savior, is alive. There are a lot of things you can live without, but you cannot live without the gospel. Please bow your heads, and I'm going to ask the music team to come and get in place. We're going to take just a moment to give consideration to these things and for you to pray. The music team's going to lead us in a concluding song, and then we just have just, uh, just a moment of church business to take care of after that. But um, as, as we give consideration this morning to how wonderful the truth of the resurrection is, brothers and sisters, you are not pitiful people. There is nothing to be pitied. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you may feel like the minority. You may feel like everything around you um, is, uh, is against you and is against Christ and is against the truths of the Word of God. But remember, this is your Father's world. Jesus Christ does reign. He will, he will win. He will rule forever. The resurrection is true. You can't live without Easter Sunday. You are not pitiful people. If you're here this morning, though, and you've never repented of your sins and put faith in Christ alone, not your own works, not your religious upbringing, but in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, then let me encourage you to do that today. There's no magic formula. You can simply and merely believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God will save you. If you have questions about that, I'll be in the lobby and the back afterwards, and Pastor Matt and Pastor Will will be here and would be happy to visit with you. Um, if you have any questions about anything that we've discussed here together this morning, I think for many of us this morning, the reminder that Jesus is alive, there is hope both now and for eternity. Those are good, th- th- those are heartwarming, soul strengthening, spine strengthening. Um, truths that that do cause us to desire to abound in the work of the Lord. Father, would you please use your message from your your word this morning to strengthen our hearts and minds. We pray these things.
In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand. So church, arise. And we're going to be led uh, to sing this song, O Church, Arise. And then I'll step up for just one moment right after this uh, for